We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Into the second hour of Friday Sports Talk, Jeff Nowak and Steve Yell, along with Charlie Long, bringing you the latest and greatest in sports. We've got the LSU women's basketball team that is tipped off at 5 o'clock in their opening round matchup of the SEC tournament. Currently, the Tigers are up 14-6. to We saw uh, Angel Reese, unfortunately, got poked in the right eye, it looked like, uh, but was able to stay in the game. So good for her for toughing it out, and hopefully she can rise to the occasion trying to become LSU's all-time leader in double-doubles in a season. Pretty impressive. Yes, yes. And uh, so far, Alexis Morris is cooking. <laughs> He's cooking with grease. Nine points. He has, she's outscored Georgia, 9-6. to six. Three threes is a good way to start. Yeah, definitely like the, uh, the way the Tigers have come out looking. And we'll be checking in on the game, obviously, throughout the rest of the show. Uh, gotta love... Uh, college basketball, just in general, how quickly things seem to go. I mean, for for me, watching all of the games, a, a basketball game takes up really, in the in the grand scheme of things, no time at all to get through. Right, this game will be over <laughs> by the time the show is over. Right, and exactly. That's part of what makes the NCAA tournament so much fun is you can watch four or five games in a day. Right, you imagine watching five football games in a day. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you physically have enough time. Um, but no, we were also talking about, you know, I, I do appreciate that women's basketball, women's college basketball, changes up their rules. I think one mistake that leagues make is being super, super sketchy about, like, oh, we don't want to change this and this and this and this. Like, the NBA has too many games. They play too many games. But that's they'll never change it. They'll never go down. One, because of money. Two, because they don't want to have to rewrite everyone's hmm. record books. Or like they they don't want to have to explain why there's an asterisk for yeah what so like if you remember Roger Maris and and Babe Ruth and the whole home run chase one of the issues they had was they extend they expanded the MLB schedule and so you know he didn't break it in the same until the of games. extra games right so they tried to put an asterisk next to it and I think he died before they ever even removed the asterisk like he never even knew that it, that it happened that it took it away but like that's like the fact that. College women's college basketball is quarters. They didn't. They weren't always quarters, but I do appreciate that. You know, and there's a lot of things like, and the NCAA is changing a lot more rules now over the last few years than they had in a while. You know, like college football, they're talking about not stopping the clock after first downs, which I think is a great freaking idea. Um, like I've never understood. Like the chain gang moves fast enough now. We don't need to pretend that every first down merits a st- clock stoppage. Like that's crazy. Oh, uh, thing too, what's good in baseball right now, everybody, yes. I think has had glowing reviews of the the changes to improve and speed up the game. Uh, we'll be getting more into LSU baseball after the break. Todd Walker from the SEC Network, baseball analyst and former Tiger, 
will be joining us to break down LSU's weekend and upcoming SEC play in two more weeks. I'm Jeff. I'm Steve Geller. He's Jeff Nowak. Yeah, I got a little confused there. You look at me like I'm crazy. Back after this with Todd Walker after the break on WWL. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back here on Sports Talk, looking at the end of the first, the LSU women's basketball team up 28-18 over the Georgia Lady Bulldogs at the SEC tournament. Switching things over to baseball now, get to enjoy and welcome in SEC Network baseball analyst Todd Walker to the program. Hope you're doing all right. How's your weekend starting now, Todd? Uh, It's great. How about you guys? Uh, doing all right. Looking forward to another weekend of LSU baseball. A little bit different uh, having two separate teams coming to Alec Box this weekend. Uh, Baylor, uh, not Baylor, Butler up tonight. I keep wanting to call them Baylor. Butler Bulldogs uh, first up for this LSU squad. And what we've seen out of LSU so far, pretty much living up to that top-seeded ranking and preseason hype. Uh, just what have you seen from Jay Johnson's squad so far to, to start this year? Well, baseball is pitching. I mean, if you've got guy arms on the mound that can go, then you're going to win. So it starts with schemes. You know, on a Friday night, they found a real ace that can compete with anybody in the country, and that's number one. Uh, I feel like Hurd uh, is going to be their number two, and he's still feeling things out a little bit. He scuffled a little bit against Southern, scuffled a little bit early in that game against Texas, but I think he's going to be a really good one as well. He's going to end up being their number two or number three on the weekends. And then they've got Ty Floyd with experience. Um, you know, they've got a ton of kids in that bullpen that they're going to mix and match. Christian Little from Vanderbilt I've always loved. The guy's been pitching in the SEC since he was 16 years old. Now in his third year, he's going to be awesome. So their arms, the, the amount of talent they've got, Ackenhausen, the lefty, uh, the, the amount of talent they have in the bullpen and in the starting rotation is the reason – they're going to win. Then you add the offense with the guys that we've already seen. With Dugas getting off to a great start, you know, he's been around. I think it's his fifth year, uh, the number one pick in the draft, you know, that they have. Uh, uh, Dylan Cruz, uh, Trey Morgan's going to be able to swing the bat. So they're just, they're just loaded. It's an embarrassment of riches, and, uh, you know, they're going to lose a few games along the way, which is probably a good thing because we saw what happened to Tennessee last year after they went on that incredible winning streak that they had. Uh, but they're just they're just loaded all around. Yeah, Todd, Todd, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, one number that I think has stood out to this point is the strikeouts. I think they're at nine point two five per game, which is a bit high. I think last year they finished in the eight range through eight games. Last year they were in the fives. What do you make of of the? I don't want to say excessive, but the high number of strikeouts. Uh, by LSU batters this year? Is it kind of an approach thing? Is it, does it have something to do with the pitch clock, maybe? You know, what, what have you seen from that? Well, there's a trade-off, right? And we're, we're moving into an era of baseball where it's okay to strike out a lot if you're going to put up some damage numbers. Mm-hmm. And so right now their OPS, you know, on base plus slugging is around 930 as a team, which is huge as a team, you know. 
uh, and you're going to get some strikeouts with those type of numbers. Uh, as a coach, you certainly don't want to see a guy strike out with a guy on third and less than two outs. Guy on second with nobody out, you want to move him over to third base, you know, by putting the ball in play. There's certain situations that you just cannot strike out. But with the uh, with the strikeouts come a lot of power numbers. They're doing that. Uh, what do they have? They got uh, 11 homers on the year, mm-hmm. if I'm reading this right. Uh, you know, and and like I said, Gavin Dugas has three of those. Uh, but Joe Barry has three of them. So they're going to put up some power numbers, and there's going to be a give and take. And and you know, we all know that Jay Johnson is an offensive coach, and so he uh, he he's okay with that. Um, clearly, you can't strike out a lot and not hit home runs and, and, and knocking a lot of runs, but they're doing that, so there's a good trade-off. Todd, obviously you mentioned the importance of pitching and just how important and how crucial is that LSU get of getting Wes Johnson to come from the MLB to the college ranks. Uh, it was obviously made a big deal about them, but just seems to even be paying more dividends right now of having that experience and uh, that professional presence in this LSU locker room. Yeah, what I've said last year, and you can kind of watch this as we go along, LSU's not going to be in in any, uh, uh, you know, you're not going to be hurt by their, their ERA, but there is, there's not been a national champion that had a team ERA. It's a pretty broad statement, hmm. but has had a team ERA over 4.2, 4.3, somewhere in that range. So if you, if you go through the course of the season, get toward the end of the SEC weekends and all that, and you see a team that's got like a 4.8, 5-0 as a team, and they're doing fairly well. History will tell you they don't win the College World Series. So you're going to have to pitch it back to my original point, and you're going to have to, you know, not walk a lot of guys, not give up a lot. And clearly with Wes Johnson, who's been known before he was in the big leagues, you know. I mean, back at Dallas Baptist, people knew who he was. Went to Mississippi State at Arkansas, you know. So And there was a reason why he got offered a big league job is because he's that good. Uh, so the combination of arms and talent that they have alone, coupled with – a coach like Wes Johnson, it's going to be scary how good that pitching staff is going to be. You know, and just kind of switch going back to something you were talking about before. Uh, Gavin Dugas obviously is off to a really good start. He's batting four forty four. He's got three home runs. Um, you know, he's a guy who, and I'm a very big believer, and especially in baseball, is like that clutch moment ability where you get up to the plate, no tied in the ninth inning, and you trust that guy to go to go get something done. That's what he did against Texas with that three-run home run. It's what he seemed to do all throughout the, uh, I want to say it was the 2021 season when they went out to Corvallis or, or Eugene and, you know, upset Oregon. And does getting him back to the forum that you remember, obviously he had a struggle last year, he had some injuries, he never really seemed like that guy. Adding him back to his form along with obviously you know what you're going to get from Dylan Cruz you know what you're going to get from Trey Morgan you know you have the pitching staff that to me feels like you know that's what puts you over the top in terms of okay this is a very very good team to this is a team that you believe should win the college world series and anything short of that would be a disappointment yeah so in order to win national champions you gotta you gotta have a few things right you gotta have talent of course uh, you've got to got to stay away from injuries. You got to have the the guys you expect to do something be healthy, um, uh, and ultimately you got to have guys do things you don't expect them to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So Gavin Dugas, he led the uh, the team last year. Although he had what 130 plate appearances or whatever, uh, which isn't a lot, about half of what the starters would have. He led the team in on base percentage last mm-hmm. year. So I mean, the kid has always had this underlying talent and ability to lead a group, right? And so I think if you asked him, he would know that as well. And so. 
But I also say that Jay Johnson probably didn't even know. He doesn't know who's going to come out of the gates and, 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 and just be on fire. Right. You know, Dylan Cruz, uh, 14 for 27, that's ridiculous. We kind of expect that, right? Gavin Dugas, though, has come up from Jordan Thompson's hitting 400. I mean, that guy, you know, uh, is clearly just by the batting average alone, you can see that the, the, uh, his personality and his confidence level is at an all-time high because of the people he's surrounded, surrounded with. You know, they went through some struggles and even had to put Jordan Thompson in the second base last year. So he's playing at a high level. Derek Jones, Brady Neal, these young guys, you know, are following suit of the older guys. And you don't have to necessarily be screaming and yelling at people to be a leader. Just do it on the field. And when they do that, these young guys will follow the suit. They'll feel like they got a lot of pressure on themselves. And, you know, Paxton Clean might be putting a little pressure on himself to try to get in that lineup. But it's a, it's a snack lineup. You feel like you got to just sprint out of the gates in order to get a chance to play. And so I think that's what's going on with Kling a little bit. But overall, I mean, this offense is really, really good, too. And, uh, you know, I think I think Jay Johnson really knows offense. He knows hitting. Um, and back to the strikeout thing. My, my, see, when I grew up and went through baseball, you weren't allowed to strike out. Like, put the ball in play every time, right? I mean, you have, that's what David Ortiz got. David Ortiz released from Minnesota, you know, when we were all there. Uh, he struck out too much and didn't hit enough home runs. But he wasn't comfortable. When he got comfortable. He strike out a little bit, but he had 40 home runs a year or whatever, and now he's got a bridge named after him in Boston. So, you know, I think that, I think that overall, you want to keep the strikeouts down and have quality at bats, which doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get hit. But I think Dylan Cruz, for example, and Trey Morgan, who we watched for two years already now in the third year, understand that. Understand quality at bats, which is back to what I said. Move a guy over from second to third, put it on the right side of the field. It makes it great. But at least you get the guy over the third less than two outs. If you got standing on third less than two outs, you have got to put that ball in play one way or the other and get the run in. That kind of thing. Quality of bats without getting a hit. And Jay Johnson understands that. He knows that. And I'm sure he's preaching that. So, overall, they're just there's not a weak spot. But, but that all being said, again, we saw Tennessee, uh, probably one of the best teams I've ever seen in college baseball. They couldn't get out of Super Regional. So, there's going to be a time when they get punched in the mouth. And how they react is something nobody can predict. Todd, you mentioned, obviously, when you were playing baseball. What's your take on some of the new rules to speed up the game? A lot of folks have been anti-change, you know, change, but then there's also been you know, folks grateful that you know, these game times are starting to get shut, you know, cut down now and be a little more, a little more reasonable than so long. Yeah, you got a 30-second timer on the mound. You got two minutes and 30 seconds from the time the pitching change when the guy crosses the warning tracks and when he has to deliver his first pitch. You got the 20-second clock from the time they grab the ball. They get one step off per at bat. If they do a second time, it's called a ball. All these things to just speed up the game. And they've been trying to speed up the game for a long time. Back when I played, they were calling strikes above the belt just to speed up, like to expand the zone to speed up games. And they've always tried to do this one way or the other. Nobody wants to watch a four-hour baseball game. And I think these will help. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things they really looked at. They didn't take this lightly. You know, they looked at a lot of situations where players, and I'm probably as guilty as anybody, of taking too long out of the batter's box or, or taking too long on the mound. And they looked at these things and figured out a way that they could speed it up without really affecting the uh, the, the production on the field. Yeah, and I guess I, I do wonder. So, do you think that would affect the hitter more or the or the pitcher more? Because I do wonder if, like, you look at the strikeouts and obviously you talk about some of the approach things. Does it does it feel like to me? It feels like if you're a pitcher and you're in rhythm, one of the things you can do as a batter is kind of take your time, redo your batting gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do that anymore. Uh, you get called for an automatic strike. Like I can't remember what the, which game it was that ended on an automatic strike, but that's obviously the worst case scenario. Does do you think that could have more of an effect on the hitter than the pitcher? 
That's a tough one, man, because yeah. I, I'm thinking back when you asked that question over 20 years of playing right, right, baseball, right. if I ever, like, stepped out of the box to stop a pitcher for rhythm, and I don't believe I ever did that. I mean, I never remember a pitcher, you know, just, just mowing people down where I was like, man, I need to slow this guy down. I think so, it, it, without pitching, I would think it would affect the pitcher more because, you know, you grab the ball, you've got this timer in your, in your mind, and you're shaking off pitches that you don't like, and you get, you've seen that. We've all seen that, where they get flustered mm-hmm. a little bit, and then they just – but, you know, if they've got, you know, as long as much as they need, they can get to the right pitch and go. But you've got 20 seconds. You shake off a few pitches, and now you're down to five seconds, and you can't call a timeout. Then now we've got a problem on the mound, right? But as a hitter, I never – I got out of the box, checked the signs, got in, and I was ready to rock. So, I mean, I never felt like 20, – 20 seconds is probably too long for me as a hitter. But I think to answer your question, if I'm if, – if personally – I feel like it would affect the pitcher more just because of that reason, because you got to make sure you've got the right pitch because you can throw a great game, but one bad pitch can cost you the game. Interesting. Thank you. Todd, what games you got this weekend? Well, I, so I don't start until March 21st. I got Florida, Florida State on Tuesday night, I believe. Okay. And, and we're doing a lot of this from home, too, so I don't travel. I just go in my, go in my movie room and set up my equipment stuff and, and rock and roll and call these games, which is fun. Um, it's better to be at the field, but, you know, in this day and age yeah. now, I mean, it's just saving saving too much money. And they did it because of COVID, but now I don't know if that'll ever go back where we're constantly traveling around the country trying to call these college baseball games. Now colleges have their own equipment, too, so ESPN doesn't travel trucks everywhere, you know, or have to. And so these you know, these college campuses have their own stuff, and it's pretty fairly, I wouldn't like these words easy, but it's less difficult than it was 20 years ago to get a broadcast going. And so... We'll call the first, you know, few games from home as we get into May and June, and games get a little more exciting and important. Then uh, I think we start traveling at that point. But I, I've got about four games. They give us our schedule about a month in advance. So I start out with Florida, Florida State. I think I got South Carolina and Missouri mixed in there somewhere. But uh, it's always an exciting time for me because I can't sit and bust out a conversation in baseball with my family or my friends. I can care less. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to talk about what I know uh, to people that actually care. Definitely always appreciate your time. SEC Network baseball analyst Todd Walker. Uh, appreciate the time and be talking to you down the line soon. Uh, look forward to hearing uh, some more of your calls down in the future. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for calling and call me anytime. Thanks so much, Todd. Definitely. Former LSU Tiger Todd Walker and SEC Network baseball analyst. Looking at the LSU women's basketball score right now, we've got four minutes, 23 seconds left in the second. And the Tigers up 42-32 over the Georgia Lady Bulldogs. We'll be back with more after this break on WWL. Looking up at the television, seeing them with the SEC squeegee on the court at the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. The Lady Tigers have a 42-32 lead over Georgia with 423 left in the second quarter. Go Tigers. Uh, Just talking to Todd Walker, got a little bit uh, insight on some LSU baseball. And, yeah, I can't imagine – you know, seeing the game transform to what it has become, I guess, considering you know, being a former college and MLB player, how, how things are so different uh, already now in 2023 in baseball. It's pretty uh, interesting, and I, I just love the the backlash, I think, of folks for them trying to speed up the game, which so many people have complained about so long. It seems that it's a good thing, but I guess – Folks find a way to complain. It's a good thing as long as it doesn't like <laughs> substantively change the game itself, right? Like, well, like you mentioned, you got the batter 
takes yeah. his time fixing his gloves. Right. There's gamesmanship his- that goes on, <laughs> right? And like eliminating some of that, I think it's like you can do that and you can do it well. If you're changing things to the point that it's impacting like player performance, because like like he makes a good point of like, okay, yeah, what if the pitcher just hasn't settled on a pitch yet? And all of a sudden the pitch counts. Oh, there's a ball now. Like <laughs> that's kind of crazy, but you know you kind of work your way through it. But he does make a good point. Like, I didn't even think about it like that, but it, it would it might impact the pitcher more than the hitter, um, especially if like you know you, you're getting lit up and you just need like a second to like breathe, and all of a sudden it's like nope, fastball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, no. It, the other thing he said that I thought was interesting is I didn't realize he called the games from his house. Right. I like, and I knew that was happening during COVID. And you, and you could kind of tell in some of the games, especially like hockey, if you ever heard hockey announcers, they had no idea what was going on. Because like if you're watching it on TV, you can't see the puck. And so like the, the announcers from home was like really, really impactful in that setting. But, um, you know, I, I just assumed that all these networks went back. But right. I guess they didn't, which is kind of interesting to me. And it's like maybe they will never, like you said. No, there were some things obviously we've talked about uh, numerous times during COVID worried about the media being allowed back in locker rooms after we were uh you know had to do those zoom calls with players coaches yeah. things like that and was definitely surprised and, and happy last year that we were we were back you know it was full full go in the NFL and we didn't we didn't have to worry about you know not having that one-on-one uh that that separation from the players and, and I mean the the zoom calls had their good and their bad. Uh, you know, positives and negatives about them, but overall, it is really a lot better to be in front of someone instead of just live on a camera. If you know what I mean, it, it just—it's a different feeling for sure. Yeah, from the perspective of me not not wanting to put real pants on, <laughs> uh, it was great. Right, you had to get dressed actually yeah. to get out the house. From the co- perspective of content, <laughs> it's it's much better to be in front of a person and ask him a question because the thing that happened with the Zoom calls that. You know, most people might not realize is like all the content you were getting was exactly the same. Everyone had the same quotes. Everyone talked to the same people. And like you could go from site to site to site and it would be the same story. And it was as someone who who writes a lot, it was infuriating because it was like, I want my own content. I want to be able to get my own quotes and write my own story, not write the diff like a slightly different version of what eight other people are writing. Uh, and that still happens. I mean, like, there's there's big news. Right. When but, you have like a big player like an Alvin Kamara or something where you don't get some one-on-one time with. Well, right, but there are instances where, like, I'm working on a specific story. Yeah. And I want to ask a question of someone that I, I want the answer to, but I don't want everyone else to hear the answer to. But, like, that doesn't exist on a Zoom call. So, like, any good question that was asked, everyone had it immediately. And it was like there's, some, there's like, a competitive nature of covering sports where, like, I want to ask this question when no one else is paying attention because I want to get the answer and no one else has it. And then, anyway, it's – that doesn't happen on Zoom calls. It does in real life. So I'm more than happy to put on work pants and go to the Saints facility if it means I can go, you know, report in person. Please put on work pants. Uh, going God, I have so many pairs of sweatpants. <laughs> going to the Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. Jimmy and Gretna has been hanging on. What you want to say on this Friday sports talk, Jimmy? Hey, look, congratulations to the Pistol Pete Maravich family. Yes. I, I, by the skin of the teeth there, and I watched the game last night, Antoine Davis, Detroit Mercy. You know, they were right there in that game. They were the 10 seed playing the one seed in the Horizon League tournament. And uh, the dude missed about three or four relatively open three-pointers towards the end of the game. Could have very well broke the record. You know, I would love to see the ratings for, like, Louisiana 
And like they're probably like, why was this game so highly rated in like in Baton Rouge, exactly. Louisiana? Like, oh, that's why. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because like you know they were right there to win this game, and you know the guy wanted to break the record, so he was chucking up really bad shots. He had some good ones, <laughs> some good open, and man, it got in his head and he missed it. I don't know. It's like the ghost of Pistol Pete blew a, a little wind and knocked it out, hit the rim, whatever. He's a big UL fan. I think they got a really good shot at winning the Sun Belt. I'm a Southern Miss guy. We're the one seed. I'm not that convinced we're that good. But, um, look, LSU women, they look stacked. I hope they get a chance at South Carolina again in the tournament. Um, you know, as LSU basketball men's comes to a wrap, it's just been a disappointment, man. They started the season 11-1, and and they had just beaten a top-10 Arkansas team, man. It's just yep. like I hope, this, I hope things turn around. I hope we get some recruits in. I'm hearing Will Wade might go to Ole Miss. I don't know if that's true, but I wish him well. And, uh, look, I'll say this one last thing about the quarterback situation. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Carolina, and let's say Lamar Jackson goes to Atlanta, look, Derek Carr to me is a little overpriced at 35 but $35 million or whatever he's asking for per year, but I guess that's the going rate. And the reality, again, is Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton are not going to sell season tickets. For the fans who want either one of those as the option, and, you know, Gail Benson and the Brads are going to have to make a decision that puts butts in the seats. And whether that's Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson or somebody else, they, you know, Derek Carr is going to sell more tickets than Andy Dalton, the Red Rooster, and Jabu Winston, you know? <laughs> well, I think winning games is going to sell tickets. So whoever – if they can bring in someone that's going to win some football games, then yes. Uh, you know, I, I do think he said something about Aaron Rodgers to the Panthers. I would bet any sum of money that Aaron Rodgers is not going to the Panthers. Aaron Rodgers would retire before going to the Panthers. You'd have to be, I mean, some heck of a package you put together, and then I don't know if all of a sudden Carolina somehow is trading – with Vegas to get Devontae Adams over there because, yeah, yeah I'm not really understanding the Panthers, I mean, they do too. have some decent receivers. Like, DJ Moore's a good receiver, but, like, maybe I'm maybe I'm underestimating the allure of, of Charlotte, North Carolina, but I don't think I am. And <laughs> Yeah, and for a guy that's coming from Green Bay, it seems like he needs a New York or a Las Vegas or an L.A. Well, after that. I don't know about that. I mean, Green Bay is, like, about as rural as you can get. Well, that's what I'm saying. City. He needs, like, the big city. But why? He's never played in a big city. I don't and know. I just feel like he wants the spotlight. Maybe he, he doesn't go No, he wants the opposite of the spotlight. He wants to sit in the dark. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I thought that was just for him to get his thoughts together. Yeah, which a, which really isn't that crazy because I would love to turn off my laptop and cell phone and just sit in the dark and and go to my yeah, Zen sounds, spot. Sounds great. You know, <laughs> I, see, that's it, like it, it is a good question because for Russell Wilson, I think that was part of the equation. He wanted to go to a major market, right? Like, whereas. Aaron has never played in a major market. I don't know if he's built for a major market. It seems like the more he talks, the more trouble That's he gets true in. That's true, right. <laughs> he's better off out of the spotlight <laughs> and just playing football. But, like, I think the reason I don't think you would go to Carolina or you would retire for us is, like, I don't want to go toil away in mediocrity for the final few years of my career. I want to go win a Super Bowl or not, I'm not bothering. And that's what you would get in Carolina. And, I mean, if you're going to consider Carolina, why not uh, maybe New Orleans? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) you got to figure that one out for yourself. Give us a call. Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line 504-260-1870. We'll be coming back after this break on WWL. So, Steve, have you ever seen rain? (laughs) 
coming down on a basketball court? Actually, in the Smoothie King Center, yeah. I have seen it. It happened. It, was <laughs> it there. has happened. It was at that game. They played the Pacers, or they were supposed to play the Pacers, except there was a leak on the roof, and they tried to catch it in a tarp, and then the players were like, I'm not playing under the tarp. And they were like, you know what? We'll postpone this game. And that was also the day they gave out these the baby cake, or the king cake baby Mardi Gras beads, and I still have them. Um, but this, this is because... The women, LSU... Georgia. We're in a weather delay for hoops, man. It's in a weather delay (laughs) because apparently it's raining in South Carolina and they never thought, hey, this is what the roof is for. I don't know. Uh, Apparently it's leaking on the floor. And so the basketball has been stopped. Yeah. When I made that comment about the SEC mop on the floor, I figured they were just cleaning up some sweat. Apparently uh, seeing Baton Rouge uh, sports reporter Chessa Boucher tweeting they're in a Delay because of bad weather in the area that's causing problems on the floor. Uh, that's a leak in the roof that's dripping. We'll keep you updated. So, yeah, we're waiting to find out the latest. Right now, we're still in the second quarter the, with LSU having a 42 32 lead. Yeah, over Georgia. Uh, I don't know. Was it 42 32? Yeah, 42 32, 10 point lead. Yeah. Uh, I'm not seeing the time right now left in the second. They just have a big old delayed See, my, in red my, letters oh okay yeah my tracker didn't update it was 30 yeah so uh, it's it's tightened up a little bit um lsu put up 28 points in the first quarter but yeah the the problem with this is like you can't really fix the roof um quickly and that was the problem the pelicans had it was like there's no short-term fix you can make and it's like if the weather's gonna stop if it's gonna stop raining you might be able to figure it out if it if that's not the case and the weather continues and you can't get the roof fixed you might have to just call the game for the You day. better have an in-house handyman there ready to do some kind of patchwork. Well, I mean, it's not exactly easy to get up and deal with the roof at a stadium. Like it's like you need you need like harnesses and stuff. Yeah, like you said the the I know the Pelicans tried with the tarp and yeah, that they just tried was to hang miserable. A tarp and have <laughs> to the catch water it. get caught in the tarp. It was honestly ingenious. Like <laughs> they should get an award for ingenuity even though the players were like, "Heck no, I am not the, playing under that." The hey you tried award. Yeah, well, those are professionals. They're like, hey, I'm not risking my career so that you can watch a game just in case the tarp breaks open and everyone slips and dies. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, there's a chance they don't they don't start this game again, um, which is kind of crazy. But Yeah, obviously we'll be keeping an eye on that. But, you know, just when you think you, you kind of seen it all in sports. Yeah. And what well, we have seen, like I said, leaking roofs happen before. Uh, just didn't expect it that, like, uh, the SEC women's basketball tournament, boom, we've got – some uh, interesting delays going on there at LSU, though, with a 10-point lead. Uh, and they're playing in Greenville, in case anyone wanted to look at the weather forecast. <laughs> to see if, in Greenville, how South long Carolina. it's going to hold up. I, I was going to say, do you have it right now? Are we in for a lengthy uh, storm there? Is it hopefully something quick passing through that at least they can maybe patch up with some duct tape to hold them over till tomorrow? Yeah, there's a severe thunderstorm warning. And, you know, as we all know, with thunderstorms, they usually come through quickly. So hopefully it is something that they can just kind of wait out and then fix the roof tomorrow i don't know but that's yeah it's bizarre it's not something you see uh very often is a a rain delay at a basketball game inside hey it's 2023 right i've always said if the nba wanted to get my attention they could do like the winter classic and play like outdoor games yes. i would i would love that didn't they do something on an aircraft carrier was the college yeah but it wasn't on the aircraft carrier it was like yeah but the aircraft carrier was parked 
I believe. Oh, you want it to be moving out and see and still playing? Well, I want I want like open air <laughs> basketball games. I think that would be fun. And like the wind is part of it, right? <laughs> we'll actually get into some NFL talk. The next two hours, we're going to talk to David Charms, reporter for Eight News Now in Las Vegas. He's been covering the Alvin Kamara court case. Then at seven twenty, an NFL Combine check in with Justin Mello from the Draft Network. Man, I've been on their mock draft site for a ton. Back on WWL after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.